Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. We're excited that you're here. Very, very excited that you're here. And you know, I don't know as a church kid, as a church planter, as as a pastor's wife, as a pastor, I've been around church for a minute. I was the kid that went to Sunday school and vacation Bible school, winter camp and summer camp. And there would always be these moments where we would have like a mountaintop high where you're so uh, separated from your everyday work and school and friends and family and obligation. And it's just you and Jesus where you feel like, oh my goodness, there is no high like the most high. Can I get a witness, right? Or you go to a conference or you have a great Sunday and it is just, just feels like everything, the world on its axis and all of my problems have disappeared. But then Monday rolls around and you gotta go back to your cubicle and your coworkers annoy you. Some of them even eat your lunch. Or you gotta change your 76 baby diaper because your kid just goes to the bathroom all the time. Maybe you go into your college campuses and your philosophy professor still says that you have the wrong worldview. Maybe you step on the scale and you were like, I shouldn't have had those donuts at conference. Whatever trial, tribulation, or trauma you are facing tomorrow, let me speak to your today. Because what happens is that sometimes we can have an encounter with God, we can open up his word, we can worship with the saints, and we feel like everything's changed. But then on Monday, you say, I'm the same person. Maybe you're in the worship experience this weekend at DFL or even here at church today, you're like, God's presence is here. And then you go to work or to school or at home tomorrow, and you feel like, that was just a feeling. Did God really touch me? Am I, am, am I healed? See, we have to be careful to the lies of the enemy that will try to destroy our faith. We can go from being a mountaintop experience to the depths of the valley and thinking this is the valley of the shadow of death. We got to get our mind right. Maybe you don't resonate with that at all. That's okay because I think that this is the season that I'm in as well. I am filled with the spirit of God. I love God. I love the call that he's put upon my life. But if I'm honest with you, in this season, with all that I'm carrying, oh, it feels heavy. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe the business that the Lord has called you to lead and open is wonderful, but it's heavy. Maybe the kids that you are homeschooling, you love it, but it's heavy. Maybe the job that you've taken, you feel underqualified and overwhelmed. You know you're supposed to be there, but it feels heavy. In those moments where it feels heavy, or maybe those moments where you feel like your life still is the same. It's a season of same, same, same. You have to pause and say, do I want to give up? What is God trying to speak to me? How do I live? How does Sunday morning preaching become Monday morning living? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Turn with me your Bible to James chapter one, because brother James, brother James is going to break it down. And as you turn in your Bible, the reason why I love the book of James is that it is so chock full of biblical wisdom. In fact, there are over 27 topics that James teaches the church. He's about to instruct the church on how to behave as a Christian. Now, this is where we're going to start because I love that you've come to church today. I hope you come to church on this Sunday and next Sunday and next Sunday and next Sunday. But, but James warns us. Look at what he says in verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word. James 1, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do, somebody say do. Somebody say do with conviction. 
Do what it says. Oh, I want the word of God to come through Brother James because Brother James is about to give us some wisdom in the waiting. Brother James is going to teach us and speak truth when there is temptation. Brother James is about to bring some transformation through the revelational word of God. And as I mentioned, there's over 27 topics on how to behave as a Christian. But the thing that's interesting in the book of James is that in chapter one and in chapter five, he's dealing with the same things. He's bookending, beginning and end this book with some truths that he does not want us to forget. In fact, in the beginning, chapter one, at the end, chapter five, we actually see that he is talking about trial, suffering and endurance. In chapter one, that's exactly what he's going to speak about. But in chapter five, I love that, that, that he brings that. Patient suffering will produce fruit in our life. Why was James writing to the church with such poignant prose? Why was he speaking to them about the transformation that comes to the revelation of the truth of God's word? Well, there was massive persecution in the church. And when I talk about persecution, I'm not talking about you struggle to find parking to come to church. That is not persecution. Oh, the persecution, the coffee was cold at James River. That ain't persecution, okay? Oh, my favorite seat was taken. That is not persecution. The church of Jesus Christ was under massive persecution at this time. It was under Roman rule. Rome, uh, keep in mind a little bit of history, is that Nero had set fire to the city of Rome and blamed the Christians. The Christians were oppressed, oppressed, depressed. Christians were under massive attack. You want to know something around the globe right now? That there are churches that are being persecuted to do what we do in liberty. That is praise and worship the Lord. We are mindful of them. And James is going to instruct the church back then, and dare I say, the church today, on how we operate, how we respond, and how we live when we're under trial, trauma, and tribulation. Because the truth of the matter is, is that there's people in here where we need to get over what we've been under. We need to get over it. Somebody say over it. You guys say it with some attitude. Over it. You're going to leave this room today. You're going to leave online. You're going to click off of YouTube and you're going to say, I'm over it. Somebody say, I'm over it. I'm over what I have been under. In fact, if you're the note-taking type, and that is the title of today's message, getting over what you're under. Getting over what you're under. The truth of the matter is that in all of our campuses and online, whether you're watching live or midweek, somebody sends this message to you because they love you. Take them a coffee, give them a lunch. They send this message to you because they love you. Well, and everyone who is listening to this message at this time, I'm going to need a little bit of participation. If you're watching live, put a hand emoji in the chat box. But if you are currently in a trial, I'm going to raise my hand for this one. If you are currently in a trial, will you raise your hand? Amazing. Yeah. Online. The Lord sees you. If you are in a trial, but you are almost exiting out of it, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. The Lord has been faithful. You have your answers. It's just a matter of time. Go ahead and raise your hand. Amazing. God bless you. What about those seasoned saints where you feel like life is good and you want to know something? I'm praising the Lord that I don't have any trials. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, amazing. Gird your loins because there's a trial coming. All right. I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm just speaking the word of God because the truth of the matter is, is that guess what? There will be trial, trauma, and tribulation in our life. But what I love and what James is going to give us is wisdom is what to do when we feel overcome by what has overcome us. And there is no guarantee that we leave this building and, we, and, and our, our problems will disappear. In fact, they will probably still be there. But I guarantee you, guarantee, and I rarely guarantee, but I guarantee that if we pick up what James is saying, you will leave here on top of your trials rather than your trials being on top of you. 
So what do we do when life's trials, traumas, and tribulations come? I'm glad you asked. Brother James is going to tell us. Look at verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. Starting there, read it with me. Let the seed of the word of God drop into the soil of your heart. Take note, note takers. Consider it pure joy. Somebody say joy. Mm, You sound real good today. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, whenever, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Oh, Lord, that's a word for me. I need to be mature and complete to the glory of God because my mouth needs a muzzle. Anyone else? Anyone else out there? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, honest saints of God. To be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you, and it will be given to you, and it will be given to you. My God, you need wisdom? It will be given to you. Ooh, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should... Not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Based on this text that we just read, uh, there are three things that we need to know if you are going to survive the trial like a champion. Now, if you've ever done Bible study with me, I usually will pick a narrative out of the Bible. And one of my favorite things to do is have this narrative jump out like 3D, 4D, a scratch and sniff Bible, where you see the characters in a different way. But today, but today, but today, because we are coming out of conference, I need us to have some practical handles on what to do with the manic Monday that we're about to embrace. Look at verse two, consider it, Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, the first thing that James teaches us when a trial comes our way is for the note takers to count it all joy. Now, I wanted to kind of uh, finagle this so that all my points would either rhyme, we could turn it into a rap, there would be like confetti and a unicorn that would drop and it would be like, pow, and it's done. But James did such a good job at articulating this point. If I try messing with it, I'll mess it up. Why? Why? Because when James says to count it all joy, uh, he's very particular about this word choice. And I'm going to get into that in a second, but I want us to put in the forefront of our mind, when we are to count it all joy, what does that mean? That instead of bickering and complaining and whining and crying and seeking revenge and saying, why does she have it, God? Why does he have it? Why me, God? Why me? Instead of that, ooh, it is a mind shift. I will choose joy as my emotion. Because you want to know something? I'm choosing to believe that God is working something for my good. Romans 8, 28. I know that no good thing does God withhold from those that walk uprightly. I am choosing joy because God is doing something in the celestial heavens. I can't see, but I'm holding on to. So today, I am choosing joy. James doesn't say, if you face trials. Did you catch that? If you write your Bible, I want you to circle, circle, mark it up. I believe in biblical graffiti, okay? You write up in your Bible. You tag it up. You mark it up. And if you didn't bring your Bible, turn to your neighbor who brought their Bible and mark it up for them, okay? He says, choose it all joy when you face trials. It's not an if, baby. It's a when. We will all face trial. We will all face obstacles. We will all face hurdles in the race of life. Why? Because it's a human dilemma. And don't misinterpret what James is saying. No, he's not saying, feel good about your problem. No, no. He's saying, 
This will hurt. Choose joy. Choose joy. Choose joy. And I love, I love what he says, this, this term to count it all joy. And I wanted to mess it up um, and like mix it up and make it sound like cool and relevant. But he did such a good job because when he says to count it all joy, he's actually referring to an accounting term. If you look at the original language, this phrase to count it all joy, it means to evaluate. So James is saying in this accounting term, James, the brother of Jesus, the son of a carpenter. Why is he talking about accounting term? I mean, they weren't bougie. They were broke. He was a carpenter. What is this man doing talking about an accounting term? Because he is saying, hey, count it all joy. I'm giving you this accounting term because sometimes the trials of life don't add up, baby. Sometimes they don't add up. You know it's not adding up when you find yourself asking the question, why? Why? Why is this happening to me, God? Why is this going on right now? It doesn't add up. Well, Brother James says, well, then let's bring in a different accounting machine. Evaluate, evaluate, count it. Evaluate your problems through the lens of joy. Evaluate your problems through the lens of joy. What does that mean? It means that I'm going to make a decision to to change my lens, my filter, my narrative. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me, God? I wake up in the morning, my my feet hit the floor, and I said, I praise you, God, because you are holy, you are mighty, you are good. Your word says that you are a good, good father. Your word says that you are a shepherd. So when I don't know what to do, you will guide me. Your word says that you are a provider. So when I feel at lack, you are the God who is more than more than enough. When I feel like I cannot do, you are the God of exceedingly abundantly who can do more than I can hope, think, dream, or imagine. You are that God and you are up in heaven and you are working all of this trial, trauma, and tribulation out for my good. It doesn't make sense now, but I will not weary in the waiting. Though the enemy come at me one way, he will flee in seven. Your word says that. Though I feel surrounded by my enemies, you surround my enemies. So I will look to the heavens to see where my help from comes from and I will declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. My life stinks right now. This is hard, but you're a holy God and I am choosing joy. I'm choosing joy. I'm choosing joy. That has to be our response because your outlook determines your outcome and because your attitude determines your actions. This is not about a feeling. This is about counting. I'm going to count it all joy. This is not feelings because my daddy always says, don't trust your feelings. Your feelings are like farts. They come, they go, and sometimes they stink. Okay. (laughs) Don't trust your feelings. It's not just a feeling. It's a decision of will. It is a choice that I am making. Why? Oh, good question, saints. Look at verse three. Because, James answering all our questions, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I'm old school. I was raised on King James version of the Bible, and then we got like hip, and we got to new King James. Yeah, okay. But I love that translation because when I read that verse, I still go to the recesses of my mind, and the new King James translation says produces patience. Ooh. Patience, that's like a cuss word in church, you know? (laughs) Patience, why, Lord, why? Faith is tested in our trials, not produced in our trials. Faith is tested in our trials, not produced in our trials. When you go through trials, it just shows you what's in you. It shows you what is in you. Trials don't produce faith. So what produces faith? I'm glad you asked, sanctified child of God. Don't turn there. I'll read it over us. Paul addresses this question to the Romans in Romans 10, 17. He says this. So when faith comes by hearing, somebody say hearing. 
So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Supernaturally, faith is built up when we hear the word of God. Don't come on one Sunday a month. Come every Sunday. You miss a Sunday because you got sick or you're traveling. Watch on YouTube. Get plugged into the word of God. But it doesn't stop there. Get into a life book. A life book. <laughs> That's the Bible. Get into a life group. So that you can be connected with other believers. Guess what? Download version so that you're reading the Word of God. If you don't like to read, guess what? You have a little button that it will read the Word of God over you. I mean, it's easy, y'all. It's easy. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Somebody say perseverance. This word, perseverance or patience, if you're old school like me, uh, if you translate it from the original Greek, it is a word called hupa mone. Somebody say hupa Say Monet. Say Hupamone. The Greek word hupo means under, and meno, it's two words come together to form this word. Meno means to stay, abide, or to remain, to remain under. It is a picture with somebody that has a heavy load and choosing to stay instead of trying to escape. Choosing to stay instead of trying to escape. But this word, this word is not to describe a passive waiting. I'm twiddling my thumbs. Oh God, when is this going to end? Oh Lord. No, 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 no. It is active endurance. This word hupomone is best described as a marathon runner, a marathon runner who is tired and exhausted. Your quadriceps, have you ever run a marathon? Come mile 10, your quadriceps are on fire. Your calves are tingling. Your shins hurt and ache. But it's that marathon runner that says, I'm a hupomone this. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I will remain when everything else and everyone else and even my body says to quit, I will remain. I'm going to hoope mone this. I'm going to remain under. What do you do? What do you do when you feel like the trials of life are so heavy and it's day in and day out and week in and week out and you had faith for a week. You had maybe faith for two weeks. But this trial is a month and two months, and you find yourself saying, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm exhausted, I can't do this, I feel the pressure, I'm shaking, I'm not strong enough for this, and my God, I wanna quit. Maybe you feel the way that I look. My hands are shaking, I'm schwitzing and sweating a little bit because it's heavy and it's hot. <laughs> those are all feelings, those are all fears, and those are all fractions of the truth. I'm not saying don't feel those feelings. I'm asking you not to stay there. I'm saying hoopa mone, hoopa mone. When you want to quit, you want to throw in the towel, you begin to change the narrative and say, God, God, I know that you're with me. Your spirit has given me strength that I know I don't possess. And then I'm going to talk to myself, Bianca, you are strong enough for this. That's why you go to the gym and you work out six days a week. No matter what, this is heavy. Show the world and yourself and the devil and his enemies. Guess what? I'm still here, baby. See, you tried taking me out, but I'm still here. And my hands are raised even though this trial is over me. And I will continue to praise the Lord. Lord, I work out every day. I'm going to praise you every day. I'm going to read your word every day because I'm going to hoopa mone. I'm going to remain until you tell me, guess what? That this trial, this tribulation... This trauma is done. It is heavy. It is arduous. I'm exhausted. But until I'm released and to say before God and people, I've overcome what has come over me. And this is a reminder to myself and to the world. I'm a hoopamone this trash. 
The enemy tried to take me out. Hoopa Mone. I'm tired. Hoopa Mone. I don't want to read my word. Hoopa Mone. Crack open your Bible. I don't want to praise God. Hoopa Mone. I'm going to open my mouth. I don't want to give to church. Hoopa Mone. Open up your wallet. Because we give to God because we will overcome what has come over us. And who do we see this played out? In the life and times of the Bible, there's no character greater than that of Jesus Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before the crucifixion, he's tormented. He knows what we feel like. He's crying, our Savior. Our Savior is crying out to his Father and saying, Abba, Daddy, take this cup from me. Translation, I don't want to do this, please. But we know from Hebrews 12, 2, my God, that he remained hoopa mone. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He wasn't, he didn't have joy for the crucifixion. He had joy for the resurrection. Oh, family, he didn't have joy for Friday. He had joy for Sunday. He didn't have joy for the trial. He had joy for what the trial would produce in his life for us. Oh. First thing we do is choose joy. The second thing that we do is found in verse five, but verse four is too good. I got to pepper it in there, okay? I, I love this. Verse four, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Ah, the use of these words, mature, complete, and not lacking no nothing would be totally understood by who James is writing. This Roman audience, they would know, this Greco-Roman audience, they would know what he was talking about. Mature, complete, lacking nothing. Well, what is that? During this time, this language, mature, complete, lacking nothing, was used for the athletes of the pentathlon. Penta means five. Uh, athletes would compete, compete in these five challenges, and if they were victorious, they would be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. So James is telling them, guess what? You can be a complete winner if you persevere. If you move forward and don't quit, if you hoop a moment, you will be the victor. But how? But how? I'm glad you asked, because James answers in verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Ask God for help. You might be sitting here thinking like, well, I do be. I do ask God for help. I'm like, God, help me get me out of this. No, 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 no. That's not asking God for help. I love that James tells us we have to ask for wisdom. Perseverance isn't a time for you to tap out, tap the mat, throw in the towel, give up, walk away. No, 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 no. This is the time to ask for wisdom. Just a few weeks ago, uh, we received notice. My husband and I, we, uh, like Pastor John had mentioned, we were lead pastors of the Orange House, oh, Father's House, Orange County. And um, when we started our church, we planted our church, we had such grandiose ideas, and God was blessing and moving, and we were growing by leaps and bounds. We were open for not even 15 uh, months, and then COVID happened, and we were closed for 17 months. We lost our contract on our venue. We didn't know who was coming back to church. Would we have a church when we came back? During COVID, we were praying and believing. We were choosing joy, and we were asking wisdom from God. God's faithful and so good. I get to stand before you today as my husband is leading at our church and teaching at a church that the Lord provided for us a miracle building that we were able to renovate and open up on Easter of last year. And to this day, we have seen over 2,800 people say yes to Jesus in three years. God is blowing our minds. And we are amazed at what he's doing, not just in our physical location, but in our digital location across the globe. We're blown away. Well, of course, the enemy is cunning. He has come to steal, kill, and rob. 
He is stealing my joy. He's wanting to rob us of celebrating what God is doing. Because not too long ago, my husband and I received a notice from our landlord. Um, we have been renting in California our entire marriage. If you know anything about California, it's expensive. It is the promised land, but there is a price for the sunshine tax, okay? There is. It's expensive. Well, we received a phone call from a real estate agent said, hi, we're here at, and they stated our address, we're here for the open house showing. This is on Sunday before church. My husband's about to preach. I'm about to go into the offering time and welcome and greeting. And we were so confused. Then we found out they listed our house on the market and no one told us. Let me tell you something. I wish I can say, great woman of faith. I, my response was, God, you're good. You've got jokes. You're so funny, God. I didn't. I didn't. In fact, if I'm honest with you, I went into like Veruca Salt. But I want it now, Daddy. Why? Give me the golden egg so that I can buy the house. Like I was totally having, if I'm not, if I'm honest with you, I was having a moment of sadness. And if I'm honest, my first thought wasn't counting it joy. My first thought was, God, we're serving you. We've given everything to you. We need a house. And as someone who grew up poor, always fearing that we will be in that position again, it was a massive trigger to me. But you know, I know what my husband did. We grabbed arms and we said, Lord, you have not given us this house. We're standing in our church. You have not given us this house, the father's house, that we are going to be homeless. No, that's not how you act. That's not how you operate. So God, we have an extra measure of joy and an extra measure of faith. If this house isn't for us, guess what, Lord God? You are going to provide for us and you're going to blow our mind. We're going to be one day standing in our mansion testifying to the goodness of God because that's how much faith I have, all right? One day, one day, y'all going to come to my house and eat some good tacos because my God is faithful. My God is faithful. But you want to know something? The reason why we were able to have that wisdom and we were able to get over what we have been under, even though our problems still remain, our problems are still there. I've been able to get over what I'm under. You want to know why? Because community. Because sometimes when you can't see it, you can't say it. You need other people to see it and say it for you. Hey, I have been where you have been. I know what that feels like. And guess what? We're going to pray until we see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This is why life groups are so important here at church. I encourage you, if you are not plugged into a life group, I'm asking why. If you're doing life alone, that's hard. When the enemy speaks to you, when you begin to listen to the lies of the enemy, you have no other voice to counter the truth other than the word of God. So if you're not in the word of God and you're not in life groups, where are you getting truth? You know what I love? Uh, Jill is a worship leader here. She led us in worship this morning. Curly blonde hair. Side note, it's also her birthday, so wish her happy birthday. You know what I love about Jill is that she is not some singer for hire. This isn't a gig for her. This is her home. Not only does she serve here beautifully and help lift the spiritual atmosphere of this house, Jill also leads a life group. And in her life group, uh, they decided that they were going to be the Acts 2 church, that they were going to come together and put into a Venmo account money. Hey, if you have a great month, put in 100 bucks. If you have a rough month, put in five bucks. Or if you are in need, you need tires, you need to pay a light bill, guess what? Take from that Venmo account. Why? Because this is the church and this is what community does. I need to be, my eyes have seen the goodness of God and I will help provide for you in ways that you cannot imagine. Because 2 Peter 2.9 says, our God is bigger than your trials. And as a reminder that you are not the only one that has faced this problem. Okay, so if number one is choosing joy and number two is asking for wisdom, this is where we get to verse six. 
But when you ask, you must not ask in doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave tossed by the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. I was in Israel with my dad. I was 25 years old and I was leading this trip with him. And um, I've been going to Israel ever since I was 13. I love it. I, I've told you before, but I am 1% Jew. I am Jewish. So for all my Gentiles here who have not been to the Sea of Galilee, it is a place of peace and calm, serene. We take groups there to go worship on the sea because it's so calm. So when I would read narratives in the New Testament about storms at the sea, I would think, that's a joke. This place is so calm until one year. We were on the Sea of Galilee. We were worshiping the Lord. And within literally seconds, the sun goes away. Clouds roll in. A sprinkle turns into a torrential downpour. The waves are rocking this boat so violently that instead of us worshiping the Lord, I have the saints of God that we've taken on this tour hurling over the side of the boat. And I'm like looking at my dad like, Daddy, what are we going to do? This is horrible. I'm not Peter. I can't walk on this water. My dad's like, go talk to the captain. See if we can take us over to the dock. And so I go up to the captain and I said, hey, um... Um, we're going to need to go to the side of, 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 of the Sea of Galilee. And he says, Shuhabibi, calm and as cool as Israeli cucumber. And he said, we are like ships. We were made for this. We will surely not die. Let me tell you something. Do not be a, 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 a splintered person that says, God is for me and he loves me. Oh God, why have you forsaken me? Do not be the person that says, God is my sustainer and God is my provider. And then you go to work and say, why do I have this job? It totally stinks. God is not the person you're like, oh, I love my spouse, committed for life, uh, for better or for worse. And you go home and you're like, you're still married to the same person that doesn't put their laundry in the laundry basket, their breath smells and they don't brush their, brush their tooth, okay? Like you get really frustrated. Yeah, no, 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 no. We were made for this. We will get over what we've been under. The first thing we have to do is consider it all joy. The second thing we do is to ask wisdom. And then Brother James leaves us with this. We must praise God. Somebody say praise God. Praise him in advance for what you will see him do at the end of your trial. See, we want a breakthrough. We want a breakthrough. We want a breakthrough. But sometimes we just need a good praise break, okay? Sometimes a good praise will take your mind off of your issues and put them on God Almighty himself. Now, it's easy for me because I love worship, but I have developed the art of loving worship. And I love worship leaders like Carrie Job, Cody Carnes, Brian and Katie Torwalt, Mav City. I love Brandon Lake. I mean, I, I love, I love worship leaders. But let me tell you something. When I really, like when I really need to go into the presence of God, I put on Martha Munizi, Fred Hammond, Yolanda Adams, Marvin Sapp, and Cece Winans. Now there's a few people who know what I'm talking about. But for my other brethren in the house, it is basically like Hillsong, but for brown people, okay? They are gospel leaders. And I never was raised on gospel music, but in my 20s, I vividly remember going to a gospel fest at Six Flags Magic Mountain, which is like a theme park in California. And for the first time in my life, my soul was exposed to something that was so liberating, so free, and so mind-blowing. I said, I feel a freedom when I, when I hear this music. Well, there was a song that became very pivotal to me, and when I go through life's toughest trials, I think of the words by my brother. He's not my brother, but one day he will come and worship at DFL. I think of the words of my brother, Kirk Franklin, and he says this, when I think about Jesus and what he has done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he has set me free, it makes me want to dance, 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 dance. See, and you could say that, and it's like a seed on topsoil, but when you sing it, whew, when you sing it, it goes down deep. When you sing it with the depths 
of your despair and the depths of your confusion when you say, when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he sent me free, I want to dance, 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 dance all night. And then you have a little praise break right there, all right? This is what we do. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test of time, language of graduation, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Remain hoopa mone. I don't know how long you're going to be in this trial, but what I do know is that with the strength of our God, with the love of our God, with the kindness of our God, we will overcome what has overcome us. We will get over. We will be done. I don't know how long it takes, but it will be a testimony to others because it took Joseph 13 years in prison before he ascended to political rights. It took Abraham 25 years to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice because he was a father of many nations, which was promised to him. It took Moses 85 years to lead the children of Israel. And it took Sarah 90 years to become a mother. It is high time that we start acting like the children of God who are anointed to tear down strongholds. And it begins, it begins today when we put a praise on it. You are asking for a breakthrough. I'm saying, let's have a praise break, child of God. I believe, I believe that when we raise our voice, it reminds God. God, my children know me. My children recognize me. My children worship me. And when, guess what? Guess what? I'm going to reveal myself to them. So worship team, I want you to come in because we're about to go to battle saints. I want us to stand to our feet and I want us to put a praise on it. I want us to know today. I want us to send assignment, to send a notice to the enemy, eviction to the enemy. You have no room here, enemy. Uh, you will come at me one way, but you will flee in seven because this is how I fight my battles.